Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we've got a fairly packed podcast this evening, so lots of news and bits and bobs to get through and joining me to do that, we've got Johnny McGinty. Hello Johnny. Good evening, how are we doing? I'm Craig Manson, good evening Craig. Hello, how are you doing? Um, you, if you're watching us live now, we're on Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Um, you also uh, listen to the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you can listen to uh, your podcast as well. You don't have to watch, not to look at us as we do this. You can listen to us as well. Um, you can also sign up for our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. And for £3 a month, you get the normal podcast without any adverts in it whatsoever. You also get a bonus weekly episode as well where we talk more generally about the world of rugby and maybe delve a little bit deeper into some of the issues we talk about on the main pod. So this week, let's start with the big news, Craig. How are Fife under-18s? <laughs> what a win. Fabulous, yeah. Uh, really interesting weekend. It was... Um... Uh, first of all, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Um, yeah, we uh, we had a we we travelled up to Aberdeen um, to the um, the Caledonia Cup finals and uh, took on Aberdeen Wanderers. And I'll tell you one thing: Aberdeen Wanderers were a very strong team and had a had a very um, different game plan to ourselves. And uh, um, they were they were very very good. But uh, we were very. Um, we did very well. Our forwards worked very, very hard, and uh, they made the difference. Um, not that our backs didn't do very well; they were, they did a great job as well. But our forwards were very, very strong. So yeah, um, it was a great weekend. I'm getting a bit emotional about it. Actually, it was very good. good well, we did. We had a we had a where's Dougie Donnelly from uh, regular listener Alan McDonald who said he spotted <laughs> spotted Craig Manson in a how cool hoodie at the Saltire Energy Caledonian Youth Rugby Cup Finals Day. I we did also know that with uh, Come on, Aberdeen. <laughs> we should know we were going to talk about this because I'd have put actual real world money on former tighthead prop Craig Manson, whose son plays in the forwards for the under 18s, saying it was all the forwards. <laughs> it wasn't all the forwards. We've got some fantastic backs, um, and we really have. Um, and also, what I will say is that um, uh, there was there was a lot of the boys were finishing up. It was their last game for the for the How Under 18s because they move on now um, up to senior rugby. And also, we said goodbye to two fantastic coaches uh, in um, Willie and Ennis, um, who have left the the, the team now. And um, yeah, it was quite an emotional day for everyone. So it was great. Have really a great way to tap it off, though. Oh yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, good, Absolutely good stuff. Fantastic. Well, that's we should say by the way, it wasn't just Craig; it was a clean sweep for us this weekend. Under sixteens yeah. and under fifteens won their cup finals as well. Absolutely, and uh, and I, sh- I thank you for keeping me right there, Johnny, because I would have missed that, and I really uh, <laughs> I shouldn't, because I'm very proud of everyone. In fact, the under sixteens that that won, they're the ones that are coming up to join. Um, my group of under 17s who are going to be under 18s now. Um, so uh, hopefully we'll have a good season next season as well. Is that um, with the um, the future rugby star in the background there, Johnny? Yeah, I know. <laughs> What's her hands in the ruck this week? <laughs> the declining quality of rusks. <laughs> Probably the fact that she's not even started going to bed at 20 to 9. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> So, um, I I lost my train of thought there. I was going to ask you. So, is that all the cup finals all in the same place then, Craig, or with a different? 
Yeah, um, all the they were they were all on the same pitches. There was uh, there was five pitches up at um, is it Shellux? Oh goodness, I've forgotten the name of the. The, no, the, area, I, the only reason I ask, I've fond memories of going to finals with all the all the age groups on the one bus. I don't know if they did that, do that now anymore. Well, we we were set to do that, um, but because of the way it worked out, because we were in the shield, we weren't actually in the cup final um we were we dropped out the shield um and then the other two teams were in cup finals they were later so for example our kickoff was 11 um and then the other two were i think it was 2 30 and then four o'clock in the afternoon so um we ended up all on three separate buses of all things no. um so it was a, it, it was half and half because it was, you know it was it was good to have all our lads together because especially with a lot of them finishing up and uh, moving yeah, on. Yeah, I've got memories of, of going to some sort of finals day and I think it was Hoik once with the under-18s on the bus and I must have been under-14s at the time. And the, the things I saw then, you'd probably be subject to safeguard and investigation these days. Speaking of which, how did, you, how did your costume go down, Greg? And my costume is fine. I didn't go as crazy as I was going to. Uh, Johnny and I met each other on Saturday at the House Sevens, and the, the the lads had decided that they were going to have a Hawaiian theme on the way home on the bus, um, and uh, and so I decided that I was going to join in along with I think Ennis uh, also Ennis Peter, um, uh, and he went a little bit further than I did because he had the hula skirt um, coconut bra. Well, that was the thing we didn't do. The coconut bra didn't happen um, because so I was. Going what, to go... I don't know if that's. I don't know if like him being topless in a hula skirt is somehow even worse. <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a Hawaiian shirt on and a pair of oh, a matching okay. pair of Hawaiian shorts on. Um, I was going to go full Maui, but uh, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't. Uh, I was going to think it was going to be. Uh, What's the word? Uh, Moana was going to start happening, but it wasn't. No. <laughs> you should have said you... me and Cammy would have come and wrapped. Oh, exactly. He, he he pretends he pretends he doesn't know yeah, the raft, Johnny. Yeah, he, he, he gives up. He gives us the like sad dad face whenever we start doing it, but he clearly actually loves it. Got yeah. the costume hidden away somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's 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 move on then. Um, the other bit of news today that I wanted to touch on. Is this announcement that Scotland A are going to play Chile, which, on the one hand, the fact we're playing Chile is a good thing; it's great to go and play. But I don't get why it's an A fixture because they go. But I can understand if it's an A fixture, whilst and they, like whilst there's a main fixture going on, like within a couple of days, you can say okay, it's like it's clearly a B team. But if it's 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 the touring squad, right? They're taking a tour squad out yeah. to Argentina. It's the same squad. Yeah. So why it's, make it, it an A fixture? It just seems to be kind of disrespecting Chile, to be honest. Because you're right; they're either taking like fifty plus bodies and they're taking a full A team, or it's going to be more or less the same team that, that's about to play three tests against Argentina, and they've just decided that Chile aren't worthy of a full cap, which seems which a bit seems insulting to Chile, given Chile have yeah. qualified for the World Cup. Yes. Yeah, big I don't know. Emerging, big imagination. So yeah, it's a bit disrespectful. Yeah, that's 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 my feeling anyway. I could I be can't... totally wrong. Maybe they are going to take a whole other squad. I don't know. It seems. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that all the things? Yes, are you going to pay for? It's like going have another few seats on a plane. <laughs> right on you go. <laughs> We're going to charter another flight just to go and play Chile. For you lads, aren't getting caps. We can't afford the caps. We can and the thing is, like. Plane. 
And who are they going to take? Because I assume that they're giving most of the senior players the summer off. Mm. So if they are if they are genuinely going to take an A squad that's not the senior squad, who's going to be in it? Because most of who would be in an A squad is going to be in the senior squad this summer. The only thing I can think is they're taking a, a younger squad and they're going to throw a few lads on the plane as like for the inverted commas experience that wouldn't normally get that wouldn't you know probably another season away from a cap or maybe looking to cap them post World Cup to give them experience of being around the camp and might throw them on the bench. But even so, just give them a cap. Yeah. Because they're still tied. They're still tying them to Scotland because it's a designated day team. Yeah. It just seems really odd. Just maybe maybe really the odd. second flight for the A team is just coming directly from South Africa. Yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> they're not they're they're not taking two flights from from scotland they're taking one flight from scotland and and, and one from cape town of everyone who's got a scottish granny <laughs> yeah it's very very weird i don't get it i don't understand it the last time i think the last time scotland a played was against the english Sa- england saxons yeah um did did the one in 2020 ever happen remember there was supposed to be one at welford road Never happened. Scott Day against Saxons. Happened, it got, no. got canned, COVID. Didn't it? The yeah. entire, the entire, um, was last, it was last year. Was it last year? I remember it being a COVID thing. It was summer tests and the whole Scotland's whole summer tour got cancelled. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's bizarre. Mad that it's just make it a full at national. I think that's the general yes, consensus. Agreed. Motion passed. <laughs> um, <laughs> shall we talk about, uh, Scotland women then? And, I don't know. Oh, do we want to feel bad about doing it? I just see your face there. Oh, your face. No, I don't know what. How do I do? Do, do we want to review? The, should we talk about the Allen game? Or it's probably just worth talking about in the context of how the whole tournament has gone. Yeah. For I mean, for the Ireland game, we could basically rinse and repeat what we said last week about the Italy game. Take out the bit where I tried to put the blame on someone that wasn't even playing and leave, <laughs> leave the rest. <laughs> Because it was, I mean, it was fairly similar. Slightly more heartbreaking. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've we've we seem to not we seem to be able to build the pressure, and the pressure we've got the ability and the momentum, and we've got the players to build the pressure, and we then just don't seem to have the ruthlessness in the red zone or in the twenty-two, and I find it, and then. You know, and I'm going to say it again, but it comes down to those small percentages, mm-hmm. and and the the last try comes from a small percentage of basically, um, you know, we had that game one, and then you know tired bodies, people who are doing far more than they really should do in their life if they're a professional athlete. And it just gets to the end of a, a long, long um, Six Nations, as well as doing their jobs and also being a Scottish internationals. And it just, I, I can, you know, you can see it happening. And it, mm-hmm. and I and I saw it happening, and I was watching it, thinking they're going to score here. And it's just everything just seems to keep, you know, it's not the silver, it's not the, you know, it's not the silver bullet. It's not the, it's it's not going to give us all the answers, but the the whole professionalism side of things and paying them to do one job will help sort these small those 10% differences that will sort those things out 
because I was watching, I was thinking at times there was a there was the difference for me, and I think again this is across the whole tournament is Scotland's attack plan is fairly forward driven and, and and can be a little bit one dimensional of just hit it up, hit it up, hit it up, yeah. and you know past the backs and and occasionally might get to the wings. You know, there's a couple of crossfield kicks this week that, <clears throat> that nearly came off, but when you look at some of the stuff that Ireland did with the broke free, there were set the set plays to stretch and penetrate through the Scottish defence. And I don't see Scotland doing that. They have you have moments where you got like, you know, someone, you know, Chloe Rowley or the likes kind of bursting through and stepping and and it's exciting, but it's not that's not coming off that that's them exploiting broken play rather than creating gaps. Yeah. But I can't be too critical about that because someone needs to spend time coming up with that and then players need time to be walked through it. And to spend time analysing the opposition to then work out where the gaps are, and that all circ- and then we end up circling back to yes. well, the only way you're going to ever do that and be able to do that and to get away get a more structured and a more you know more structured game plan with and analyse the opposition as if you pay co- not just the players but you pay coaches and you invest in not just a head coach and a couple of people helping out part-time, but a full-time coaching staff. On the flip so side of that, say, though, yeah. Ireland are also not professional, and that's their second-choice backline. Because yeah. their their main Six Nations backline is all the way with the sevens just now. So that's their yeah. second-choice yeah. backline, and they were able to do it. Yeah. But then they've obviously put a lot more focus on that than Scotland have. But I think also you have to, it's a mixture, you, you also have to remember that Ireland have been a dominant force in women's rugby for some time. Um, where Scotland haven't, Scotland have had women's rugby for a long time, but they haven't been as dominant forces as Ireland have been um, in the past. But yeah, absolutely, my argument of paying them will solve this problem does fall down when we come across um, Italy and we come across um, Ireland, who are both just but, about semi-professional. Yeah, you know, but. The, the the bottom line is, I think the point there is it doesn't that the argument <clears> doesn't fall apart because you know we lost to Ireland by a point, mm. lost to Italy by a score. Mm. The really fine margin. I mean, you lost to Wales by a fine margin as well. So yeah. at the moment, we are Scotland are competitive with mm. those three nations. You know, you, you're looking at the the bounce of a ball, the you know, a, a pass land in the hands, and those results are different. So the, the then the worry is, the argument should be, unless you invest, and not just trying to match, it's not about trying to keep up with Wales and Ireland, but unless you invest properly, forget about Wales now, what Wales and Italy are doing, invest properly like England are doing, like France mm. are doing. Mm. Unless you invest properly, then then you're gonna we're gonna be left behind. And you know it's the the Scotland team has improved significantly, mm-hmm. um, and we are they are they are all doing a very very good job. There's a lot of things that can change, and there's a lot of things that though I'm sure they'll they'll review. You know they'll go to the review and have a look over and say, well, we could have done better here, we could have done better there. Um, and there's a lot of things I could probably sit and say, well, I would have changed that, I would have changed that, but I'm not. You know, we are competitive. We are have been unfortunately on the wrong side of the competitive matches, um, 
But what I would like to say to a lot of the naysayers who stand back and say, well, you know, they need to start getting the crowds in first before they start paying the paying professional wages. If you look at, for example, um, England, England are on a crest of a wave now, and that's where they're getting their crowds. They're getting their twenty thousands at Welford Road or at, at, um, at where was was it Bristol or was it Gloucester? Yeah, um, Gloucester. Um, and they're getting those. Um, those, you know, when they were fully professional and they were doing quite well in the past, they were getting friends and family, and that was it. I was listening to an interview with Emily Scarrett, uh, you know, earlier on this week, and she was she described the same thing. She was fully professional, but they were only getting, you know, friends and family at a game. You know, it was very the, 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 there wasn't a lot of people in the in the grandstand, so it kind of blows that whole argument out of the water that 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 you know they um they have to be. You have to put the business case first before you actually you actually get the job. You know you need to invest in these players. You need to invest in our Scotland international side, and the, you will then start to pack out your stadiums, and you'll start to bring in you know bigger sponsors, bigger um, bigger audiences, um, and we and we are so behind the curve now that we you know and I don't really care about what Wales are doing, what Ireland are doing, what Italy are doing. We should be we should be taking it on ourselves and saying we want to be better. We want to invest in this this group because it is it is so you know it is it is so skewed to the men's game, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean you know you look at two, three years ago we turn up to the women's six nations and we're thinking, all right, we're gonna get spanked by France and England. Hmm. Wales, you know, you will probably lose to Ireland. I mean, there's a few years ago when, we're, you know, it felt like they turned a huge corner when they beat Ireland. But Ireland, have, it's almost really Ireland have dropped down to Scotland's level more than anything. And then Wales and, you know, even a few years ago, Italy would give Scotland a really good doing because Italy were, were a better team and Scotland. Yeah. Really, so so the, the improvement's there. I don't think you can say that, oh, well, they... You can't. It's it's chicken. It's it's kind of chicken and egg a little bit. But you you kind of have to. You have to invest in order to get people through the door to watch a good brand, watch something that's entertaining. Yeah, you can't just expect people to to turn up to a rugby game, and watch, you know, amateur rugby. That's not people. People want to come and see something. I mean, and this is a very special team that plays ec- an excellent brand of rugby. But there's a there's a point at which. That there's a limit to where that where they can go whilst it's yeah. at the level of funding it is now. Yeah. And that's going to limit the audience for it. But you yeah. give because even if you pay the players, it's not just paying them to go to training, right? When you think about Ember and Glasgow players all do they go to schools, they go to training camps, they go and do all this other stuff, they do the work in the community. So yeah. that grows the game as well. Yeah. And if they're able they're <clears> not you know, women players if they're paid to do that, do their, and that's part of their job as well as training. You're not asking them to give up time to go and spend an afternoon in a school with some girls trying to teach them how to play rugby or run a session. Mm. It's part and parcel of what the men do. So it would also be part and part parcel of what the women do. And it's, we're, we're, yeah, I, I think it, the bottom line here, isn't it? And it was interesting, Rocky Clark, the England player, was tweeting, you know, tweeted the Rob Robertson article this week, just say, basically saying, you need to pay. Yeah, these women because there's a. I mean, there the, the might come a point where we are. You know, if if ever if Wales and Italy take off, for example, although I don't think their investments that significant from their unions, but that takes off, 
and all of a sudden Scotland are left behind, then they'll be the same cause or get Spain in. You know, get yeah. Get a better team. Ireland should be a big, big warning sign for Scotland because you know, mm-hmm. like like you say a few years ago, they were a dominant force when when women's rugby was kind of coming to the forefront. Um beating them was a huge deal for us. Now they've spent what 18 months, two years basically in all out war with their union. And Cami, you're absolutely bang on. They, they it's not that Scotland have got better. But at the same time, with Scotland being getting better, Ireland's star has started to fall, and part of that is because they have so much off-field stuff, so many arguments, they can't get the union on side, and and so the Scotland players are only going to put up with this for so long, and then yeah. we're in every danger of ending up in that exact same position. Well, how do we how do we attract new players? Okay, okay, fair enough. You know, if you we've got the youth system working very, quite well within within Scotland women, but you know, you, there's no, you know, to to mirror the, uh, the to, to talk about maybe the men's game, if you're wanting to try and bring people through, like, for example, um, I've forgotten his compact's name, but the, the lassie that came from um, uh, from Worcester, how, how do you attract those players to say, look, you know, rather than going and playing for England or going and playing for, you know, those youth players that have the opportunity to play for, a couple of different sides. How do you attract them to Scotland rather than going to England? There's no way you can attract them to go. No, there's not. Essentially, all you do is, you know, and and this is something I think Scotland men struggled with mm. in the past is when Scotland men weren't competitive, then you would have players who would. I mean, Ben Velicott's probably an example of that, right? Ben mm. Velicott's been touted as a nine, a potential nine for Scotland for years, mm. and early on in his career, he said, "I'm basically was holding out for for an England spot." And quite rightly, because at the time he was first touted, Scotland were rubbish. Yeah. So why 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 would why would he come and play for Scotland? Why would he kind of throw all that in in jeopardy? Because it jeopardises his career, professional career down in England, because it limits your opportunities for clubs. So it's the same situation now. I think if you've got someone like Katie Matson, who yeah, you know, had played for England in the past and might have had a choice between that and Scotland. And, was oh, I forget the name? Wasn't there two sisters? One played for Scotland, one played for England a few years ago as well. Oh yeah, because they were on the Guinness advert. Remember? Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the name was though. You know, and, and and the same that if you had the option, if if England were to come calling, then you you know that it's unless you're up, you know dyed in the wool, kind of face painted blue, screaming freedom in the street, then yeah. it's a no brainer. You'd always go for England at this point. So, what it's a bit like with the crowds. You have Scotland have to get better, and the only way they're going to get better is with investment. But the investment, I think, is not just in the clubs and in the pathways in Scotland. They also need a good exiles program as well, because that's worked very well for the men. You think of the the men, the the men that have come through the exiles program, like Ali Price come through the exiles program, Hamish Watson's come through the exiles program, and 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 I think that's a way to persuade players who have, you know, can play for multiple nations to come on board because you can have those conversations early on and there is, the you know, and you can capture someone like Hamish Watson who apparently had, you know, Scotland players posted on his bedroom wall at a young age and kind of keep in touch and how are you getting on? Oh, we're still interested. You know, do you want to come along this session? Do you want to come up to Ember for a bit and, and you know, run a few gate? That, that's what they're going to have to do for the women's game because to do it for the men's is run, run an exiles programme as well. The thing is, though, you you cannot you cannot do that 
if your pitch is, how would you feel about playing for Scotland? Oh, by the way, you'll also have to get a job. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's a non-starter. Yeah, what do you fancy doing for a job? Yeah, we'll, unless the answer is playing for Scotland, then nobody's going to say yes to that. Yeah. We'll give you we'll give you five p a mile traveling. <laughs> <laughs> We could hook you up with a sales job at Peter Vardy. That's, you can have up to six pound for your lunch, twelve pound for your evening meal. <laughs> it's it's just as I say. I think it's just a it's just a it's a build of everything. It's the it's a it's we want them. You know, we're looking at the games throughout throughout the Six Nations. We're looking at we, if we had between five and ten percent. If we'd added five or ten percent to our gameplay or defence or whatever you want to say, um, we would have had those three games won, mm-hmm. um, and we'd be sitting in a different place. And also, and that, I think the games against France and England—I'm <clears throat> not saying we would win them—but but that Scotland were competitive in both those games. Yeah. So so yeah. the gap then closes, and even if you're still getting beat. You, you're getting beat by smaller margins, and for, and for France, that, I mean, in a way, France and that's what France and England want. They want to play against more competitive sides. They want to be given a proper test. Yeah. They don't want to turn up and stick. And we also want to be in a si- Yeah, and we also want to be in a situation where we go to the World Cup and we qualify for next year's World Cup by by the yeah. by where we finish. Um, and, and that's not going to happen overnight, and that's not going to happen. You know, if we turn around next week and uh, sorry, you say we're going to we're going to we're funding each player at thirty grand a year. Um, that's not overnight going to give us the Rugby World Cup um, qualification that we need um, when we go to the World Cup. You know, we're going to end up. It's going to take a lot of work, but it, it's going to ease the journey, and it's going to give you that extra five ten percent. You know. Yeah, and I think that's. I think again that the disappointing thing is we've heard nothing. There's been no announcements. The the tournament's finished, and it started with such a big bang, and it kind of feels like it just it's 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 kind of whimpered out, gone out with a bit of a whimper for Scotland. And in general, I think the kind of buzz around it that was at the start kind of faded as way a little bit. I think having two away games back to back at the end probably didn't help that. Yeah, and that's not really something we can do anything about. No, no, it's not. But Joe, you would. I was kind of hoping, and I kind of thought, do you know what? Give the SRU its dues. Monday morning or Tuesday, because it's a bank holiday. Look, the there'll be a press release saying, following the Six Nations, we're going to fund. We're we're, we're looking at setting up a pro team. We're going to fund the women's game, or some kind of big announcement. But there's been just absolutely nothing. Yeah. And still, the only reason we know that they're being funded to some level is because somebody asked Brian Easton a question and he's given them an answer and little yeah. bits that leak out from the players. it has been no big grand statement from the SRU about what they intend to do. And the only reason we know they may be considering joining the URC is because the URC have made a statement saying, we, we think there's some interest among the unions. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah absolutely nothing at all. But on a positive side... What I would like to say is that we've 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 seen some new um, yeah. new talent coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Molly Wright and Christine Bells Belial and Evie Gallagher, and then you know we've even seen you know for example um, Emma Orr, 
Um, you know, coming through Shona Campbell. These these players are coming through and looking incredibly sharp. Um, and they're almost a new generation as such of, of Scotland women players, which who will come along and give us, you know, we'll, we'll be at two or three World Cups, hopefully. And um, it's exciting on that side of things. So I have to try and end this conversation part in a bit of a pause. Yeah, yeah. and let's it. say, like, when when's the last time you've seen the team be within one bounce or one pass, like you say, of of three results and losing all three of them? Like, it's it's not as bad as it looks when you look at the table because that is that is three games that could have gone either way, and it just so happens that, that this time all three of them didn't go our way. And I don't think that happens very often at all, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, like you said, Craig, the, the, the fact that the players that stepped in were able to step in without a drop in quality says something because they're not, you know, not all of these players are playing in the Premier 15s. Yeah. You know, so to come in and step up to, to international level and, and hit the ground running and there not be a drop in quality is positive for the future, but do I, I, I say there's a limit on how long that can be sustained? But I think the fact the under 18s, you know, the, the, they had the under 18 festival, and again, the you know, the, you know, you the, the, the there was a good result for the women against the, well, the girls against Italy, and there's plenty coming through, but but do you know what I mean? What, what yeah. like you said, what's what's the incentive? And that's that, you know that again, yes. And I, I think I think a lot of those players want to play to the you know. And, and this this is where Scotland. God, I'm getting a bit confused here. I'm not confused, but I'm yapping away. But um, for me, the big thing with Scotland is that, that you've got a team there that want to play for the jersey, and yeah. they'll do everything they possibly can for the jersey. Um, now, what we need to start doing is building a team that want to play for the jersey, but also can can focus 100% on playing for the jersey rather than having their focus taken in different ways. Yeah, because there's no doubt, I mean, they've said they want, they, you know, they, they hold themselves to professional standards and absolutely, you know, that's that's the best way to be. And that's yeah. absolutely what they should be doing. But we can't, I think it's great they hold themselves to professional standards, but I don't think it's fair for us to hold them to professional standards because for every fault that you find with the game, you can tie it back to, well... They've only got so much time. They've only got so much, you know, they can give. Yeah. There's so much conditioning you can do. So it's, it's just, and I go and we go around in a circle, yeah. which we'll continue to do until they're paid. Absolutely. And even then, we'll still gripe about it because they won't be paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on Scotland Women? Nothing for me. No. No, I don't think so. Okay. Do you both want to talk about the URC from this weekend? Once again, you could just clip what I said about Glasgow last weekend. It was the uh, down, down to once again me tweeting at the start of the game how impressed I was with the physicality of the forwards. We got a penalty try off the back of a mall against the Bulls and turned that into a, a penalty try and a yellow card, by the way, because our mall had them on skates three or four times and then somehow turned that into a 30 point loss again, like we did last weekend. Yeah, I think that probably sums it up. It's not, yeah, it's the same old, same old with Glasgow, isn't it? And now you've lost almost to the letter. Like you, you could have been watching either game last week or this week. 
it was basically exactly the same. Yeah. To the point off, you've infected us with giving away penalties as well now. <laughs> it's catching. It's catching. I was going to say if Glasgow weren't in uh, South Africa, I would have said there might have been a midweek Scotland cat impromptu catch up. In the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've obviously been they've obviously been FaceTiming each other and telling them how to give away penalties. I don't know. Um, I think that's that's you know Edinburgh had a Edinburgh continued on from their their, their Zebra game. Of just um, had a few issues. Um, that the, they marched themselves all the way down the pitch and gave a try at Ulster with penalty, giving away penalties in the lineout, you know. And they've done this before. Um, and and what annoyed me then and annoyed me now is that they they got told, "Don't you're, you're coming in too early. Don't come in too early. Don't throw the man across the across the gap." And what do they do the next line out? Do exactly the same thing, and and they're looking at the they're looking at the um, at, at the ref as if it's the ref's fault. And it's like you know, come on guys, you know you everybody knows you play the referee. I don't care, you know. Okay, fair enough. I don't I, I don't think the ref had a particularly good game, um, but you play the referee. We're always told that when we're in the mini section, we're told you play the referee, um, and they just it's just. Just a bit. It was back to the old Edinburgh for a little while, and then um, you know, and then again, a few little mis- a few little decisions to that, that instead of pass passing to the right, pass to the left, and uh, and and you, you you run into players rather than an open field. Um, so we we we. I suppose though, and I mean, this is it's slightly different from between Glasgow and Edinburgh. For Glasgow, it feels like they've been. Sp- Kind of repeatedly smashing themselves in the face mm. with the mistakes and never learning to put down the baseball bat and stop smashing themselves in the face. <laughs> Whereas with Ember, I think they've had a couple of rough games over the last two games, Craig. And in a way, like you never want to lose or to have these or or, or struggle to get past the, the likes of Zebra. Mm. But it's not come at a bad time in the season for those issues to be addressed rather than kind of slowly that kind of slow drip drip creep that you might get over you know the game against wasps and then it kicks into the you know the knockout rounds of the pro or on the urc as it is now yeah so so it's in a way is it not better that it's happened now on the kind of precipice of what are going to be some very key games for edinburgh rather than it happening kind of in the last stages of the urc or europe yeah, I, I, yes, but I hope it's not the start of a rot. If you know mm. what I mean, um, I don't. I think Edinburgh just went a little bit to sleep. I think they just, you know, they they they, made, they broke the they broke down Ulster's defence in the in the first half and just made a couple of just a couple of passes just either didn't go to hand or or, or weren't made the right way um, because we would have been two tries up um, and then. Kind of then Ulster Ulster put a lot of pressure on us, um, and we kind of gave in to them that way. And then at the end, we were so close, but we were so close. But we went back to the old Edinburgh of let's try and knock the door down with with strength rather than with our heads. And um, because there was, you know, I think if I'm right in saying, um, Buffelli was out. Uh, there was lots, you know, was out. On the far side, screaming for the ball 
at the, in the last the last few seconds of the match, and they kept trying to use the forwards to batter the door down, and they needed to get the ball out the, out to the backs because there was lots of space, um, and it didn't happen. Now whether that was um, whether that was uh, Blair Kinghorn's fault for not getting the getting the note, you know shouting to get, getting Pergos to get the ball out, or was it Pergos that the forwards weren't listening to? It just it was difficult, but then they ended up knocking it on, and that was that, you know. Yeah, I think Edinburgh probably weren't helped by the fact that the positions were all more or less decided by the time their game started. Do you think it's like the what, like someone like like used to get in the crowds of the football, where someone's on a transistor radio shouting down the results <laughs> to the sidelines? <laughs> Doesn't matter, lads. Doesn't I mean, matter. It, it still does kind of matter, but well, we're also we're, we're, we're also running, as, you know, we're we're running injured as well. We've got a fair few players, you know, that are injured now and. Um, you know, that's uh, Immelman and Moyano not going to be able to finish the season with us. Um, uh, you know, it's it, there's the, and Dave Cherry, my you know, um, the current Mrs. Manson was very distraught to see Dave Cherry, um, upset and, and struggling with his arm. And uh, you know, he, he said, he said on the podcast, I think it was a, on one of the podcasts, he said he, he thought he'd broken it. Um, and then just can you know we strapped it up and continued to play and he was meant to hang around in the wing um and not get the ball just be there and try and help out as much as he could and then all of a sudden they kept giving him the ball and he was like I don't want the ball <laughs> so um yeah it was an interesting so we'll, we'll see how it goes you know as I say I, I think we're looking looking forward to wasps um it'll be yeah. quite an interesting weekend and then, you know, so, so yeah you're down to you're down to Adam McBurney, I think at this stage, there's no news on whether Dave Cherry and um, McAnally will play. I think Mike Blair said that McAnally is very unlikely. Yeah. He said, with Dave, you never know. I just think that, that sums up Dave Cherry. That means <laughs> that means that McBurney's starting and Dave Cherry's going to be on the bench probably. Yeah. Um, and don't pass him the ball <laughs> when he comes on. <laughs> um. Equally, uh, Johnny, you've uh, Glasgow now have no back row. Yep, um, which is uh, interesting considering what a position of strength and depth back row has been for Glasgow at <laughs> some points of the season. Uh, now we're a bit like, oh, where have, where have they all gone? <laughs> because we've lost Matt Fagerson, obviously, long term. Um, we're losing a lot of starters around him. Uh, I think Tom Gordon got a bad one. We're um, we're we're going to be struggling, I think. Yeah, which and is Leon a shame because back row has been a real bright spot for Glasgow as well. Yeah, and you've got Leon. I don't yes. think, to be fair, to to be fair to Glasgow, the way Glasgow will be playing at the minute, I don't think the lack of back row is going to be the main reason you're going to be struggling. <laughs> no. Now we've certainly got a tougher game this weekend, and as far as the URC goes, I think to be honest. If I was to be realistic for for the best chances for Scotland, it it depends what happens with the other games because whoever loses the eighteen seventy two goes to Leinster and we can basically write that off. Um, whoever wins, if Munster stays second, will go to Munster, and I'd rather that was Glasgow. If Munster lose a game and the Sharks go to second, then whoever wins the eighteen seventy two goes down to Durban, and I'd rather that was Edinburgh. So I think I'd like to kind of wait and see who who the second place t- team is before we decide who's got a better chance of who we want to win the eighteen seventy two basically who's got a better chance of getting through the quarters. 
That's the thing, and that's that's because it doesn't. Although neither team have a home quarter now, there is still that element of well, it's playing to see to get the easier side of the draw, I guess. But there's never going to be an easy side of the draw, so does it actually matter that much, Greg? Uh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, will go down to South Africa, no problem. We've been there and done that. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I fancy think... your chances a lot more. I like if if Glasgow go back to South Africa, it's a waste of time. But then again, uh, I'd fancy Glasgow at Tolman Park against Munster more than I'd fancy Edinburgh there. Because we've, well, we've got, got we've got we've got form against Munster. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of history um, against Munster, and when I mean when I say that, we've been handed our arse regularly by Munster. <laughs> so, um, and our quarter final, you know, we've got a, that quarter final to get back from Munster. Um, you know, when we were in the European Cup and they uh, they. They quietly put us out. Was it the European Cup? And uh, they played yes, us at Murrayfield. Yeah. Uh, that's when Schumann got um, got put off the park. Yeah, he got um, yellow carded because who was diving? Somebody was diving. No, he he no. got he got yellow carded because because he, he he did a he, he did just, for he, did he not trip somebody up? Yeah, he he he, he moved over and 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 uh, one of the oh, one of the monster yeah, players yeah. dived on the ground. Um, funnily enough, an Irish player dived on the ground. Never. Um, <laughs> So it's uh, it, it's it'll be interesting um, to see where we are with that. Um, but I, the problem I have, and this is my always my concern when it comes to when we start when Glasgow start building up this sort of um, uh, losing mentality that they seem to have on certain games. We come to eighteen seventy two and they bloody well beat us, you know. Um, and that's uh, that's my concern, and, and especially the fact that we've, we haven't really got a home game. Um, it's not a home game at Murrayfield. Um, and so it's... Not this again. Bit... Not, well, Hamish Watson well, is now... Hamish Watson says it. He <laughs> says that the Ember players would much rather be... You know, they understand commercially why the SRU are doing it, but yeah, Embra, the Ember players would rather play at the Dam. And I get the, I do get the point. It's, you know, it's yeah, because no I mean, Glasgow be fans like, get to go if it's at the dam. The yeah, thing is, get, commercial, yeah. commercially, if with well, the other eighteen seventy two cup game for Glasgow against Glasgow, why didn't they play that in Murrayfield and then get a big massive crowd for that as well? Why? That's my that's my issue with it all because it's a neutral venue. All the players have played at Murrayfield. It's not, you know. The only, I suppose the only thing that makes it not neutral is the fact is the kickoff time, which means that the only people that can get there live within an easy drive of Edinburgh because <laughs> you can't look <laughs> at a train back to Glasgow at that time of night. Aye, well, they, but they could change that. I don't, I don't have a problem with changing the kickoff time. The problem I have is is the fact that you know Glasgow get to have their, um, you know, a, a large amount of their fans at their home ground. Um, and get to shout in their megaphones to try and reach the players because there's a huge gap between where they sit and then the actual pitch itself. Um, but they get to have their Scotstown adventure, and we don't. Um, and we're build, you know, I and I would expect hopefully next season you'll see an 1872 Cup. Either both legs will be played in Murrayfield, or we'll have it at the Dam because I think the Dam is. is I think it's more because more... traditionally this end of May one. Was the third eighteen seventy two, yeah, and yeah. it was the day that we had all the club finals and stuff beforehand. Yeah, um, it's a bit different this year where there's only two legs. Yeah, 
I think the problem when they did it on the day of the club finals, I was all for that and thought it was great, but then there was a lot of tales of it being quite fighty because basically <laughs> people went long and got <laughs> drunk all day watching lots of rugby and then there was the 1872 Cup at the end of it. Yeah, you have so, to watch out for Johnny uh, Johnny when people <laughs> when he when he goes down to these things and people bring into the uh, bring Hugh Jones into the conversation, he gets a little bit punchy. Well, just why would you be why would you mean about Hugh Jones? Like <laughs> you're just hey, making Craig bad Char- decisions to begin with. Craig Chalmers says he's the Scotland's oh, first choice fifteen now. I saw that. I saw that. Just Craig Chalmers knows it, doesn't he? In the summer he probably has a shout. To be honest, he's been he's had a really good season and he's played a lot of fifteen for Quins and Stuart Hogg is not going to no, South no. America. No. So he's got a, he's got a shot of being the first to this whole, Oh, actually, Blair Kinghorn should be at fifteen instead of ten. But no, now because you grieve so fact. much about Blair no. Kinghorn at ten that I'm just fed up of like fine if you want him at ten, have him at ten. I'm I'm sick of arguing about it now. Because you're proven wrong. That's what it is. You just sit there. You sit there and you're wrong, Mr. Just be wrong. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, it'd be Ross Thompson at 10 and Hugh Jones at 15, if it was up to me. Well, Ross Thompson, who keeps getting the shepherd's hook every so often from the whoop. Uh, it's time for you to go, Ross. That's it. We're up. I mean, we? Yeah, right. that would purely be to win off, right? Let's throw a donkey wheel. Let's throw a donkey wheel on and lose this match. Yeah. On you yeah, come, Ross donkey. Thompson's not getting hooked when we're behind, is he? He's getting hooked because his job's finished and and there's only one man in the world that can transform that into a loss, and that's Duncan Weir. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I was, the one thing that's interesting is Danny Wilson's kind of constantly talked about, oh, the signings coming, the sign news assignments coming, and then there was a big kind of thing for Glasgow. Oh, we've got news assignments coming, and they're all academy players. Yeah, four four academy from the Super Six. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Danny. Yeah, they look big boys though. That's mm. one thing I'll say. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, they look big lads, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But and we had a sign in this week as well. Damien Hoyland is staying, and his coffee stand will be staying as well. <laughs> I was going to say it was never going to go anywhere because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's paid a lease on that coffee stand. I know. <laughs> probably half the coaching staff are like half the coaching staff are probably two stamps away from a free coffee. <laughs> You can't get rid of him now. I'm two stamps away from a free a free cappuccino. <laughs> he has to stay. Actually, he's he's do he's he's a different player. I've got to say, since we you know he used to be kind of middle of the road, but I I'm really enjoying seeing him play. So um, you know, ever since he got the crystal tips, um, <laughs> and uh, he got the blonde hair, you know, I think he's come on. No, I think he's doing well, quite he's, well. He's and, channeling Sean Lamont. Yeah, he just needs a pair of gloves now and then he'll be sorted. <laughs> I think the thing is with, with Damien Hoyland is he keep like for years I've been thinking, oh, he's really going to kick on this season. And then he's one of these players, and I, I can see Stafford McDowell going this way as well a little bit, Johnny. He's like, you kind of yeah. keep going, this year's his year, this year's his year. Oh, he's got so much about him. And then you turn around, you're like, he's 28. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Damien Hoyland's exactly like that. You're like going, Oh, Damien Hoyland, you know, he's, he's he played a bit for Melrose. He's kind of done his service in the sevens and he was good on the 20s player. And then you go, Christ, he's 28 now. Where, is it, where did that time go? 
and the tape manufacturers want him to stay as well because he's uh, he usually walks out and he's he's got his arm and his legs and everything else taped up. Well, I think that's it because he's been unlucky with injuries, right? He's he has, not. Yeah. He's never had a chance. Well, I think until recently he's not really had a chance to get a good run of games or find any any kind of consistent form because he's always then had some horrendous injury. But he is one of those players, though. That he's not. He's not a. What's the word? He's a Darcy type player in that you know when he gets the ball, he's no feared. Um, and he, you know, he ends up in, you know, in pieces at the bottom of a rock on a regular basis because he just goes for the goes for the space. And if it's, he's not one of those players like Hogg who'll run down a, a blind alley and then start dancing about because he doesn't want to go into contact. He'll <laughs> rattle into contact if he wants to, you know. Yeah. Good. Anything more on Glasgow and Edinburgh? I think we caught up with all the news. No. no. Um, did you catch any of the Super Six? Yes, I did not this weekend. How did you? How did you manage to watch it between the sevens all day on Saturday, your final on Sunday, and the women and Edinburgh? How? How? Where do you find your time? He's got because he hasn't got young in, kids. He's, that's what it is. I've, got, yeah, I've not got young kids, and I have been in a hotel for the last couple of nights. So yeah. uh, I, you know, they, they do a really good service now that you can actually watch highlights and you can watch games on YouTube, Johnny. It's quite interesting. So uh, <laughs> uh, pick of the six, then Craig and Johnny, you can just chip in if anything you've seen. <laughs> um, for me, one of the big pick of the sixes was I'm still not sure about the sprint series, if I'm honest, and the weather told. But I really enjoyed the summer rugby last year, and there were a couple of games this weekend. I thought. You know, the air game was fine and it was a good game, but it's wet rugby. And I know there's some that enjoy wet, you know, wet, slippy rugby, but I don't know. I I think it kind of it ruined the brand a little bit for me this weekend. I, I Yes. And I think um, we're seeing that in results as well. Um, you know, the results aren't as close as they have been. Yeah. When it's when it's dry, um, well, like last so, season, well, you're getting like fifty-two, thirty-seven, and daft scores like that, which is brilliant. Yeah, that's because yeah. everyone could play running rugby and chuck the ball a bit. Once you start shoving the the, the ball up the jumper and, and 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 going down route one, you know you start losing the, the the big scores and you start losing the playing rugby. You know, but um, yeah, it's it's um, it, it's quite um quite interesting how. Um, my, my, my southern knights are uh, have oh. have really fallen off an edge, you know. Um, they 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 don't look the team that they were last season um, in the sprint series. It's the, for me, it's the defence, and I know none of the teams last year. We talked about this last year. None of the teams really seem to be that bothered about defence, but I think southern knights were a harder team. Yeah, they were one of the better teams in the defence, and that. I mean, the first Stalin try was just so soft. I mean, that you know, the passing was the passing. Was, I can't fault the passing at all. It was excellent. It was flat. It was quick, but it was basically it was a two on five. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like two Stalin, two, two Stalin players running at five Southern Knights players, and I, and not one player attempted a tackle. They all came up in defence, and then all of a sudden found they had to turn on the heels and chase the players. If I, like, if it, I was a Super Six player. And I came up against Stirling County with Walter Fafita and Ratu Tangivi on the wings at the same time. I wouldn't be bothering with attempted a tackle either. But the thing is, it, wasn't, honest, it, 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 it wasn't them. 
It was just they just look the Southern Knights don't look the same team as they were last season at all. No, no. And then, it's such and a shame. It, it really is because they were, you know, they well, they got to a final and they could have won the final, you know. Mm. Um and uh, and and it, you know, and, and whether whether I'm feeling in a romantic mood or not, but if you look at the you know, the game on Friday night, you know, it was a beautiful night. The green yards looked well. Well, the grass is plastic, so I suppose it must look well. But, uh, um, you know, it's a Friday Night Lights game. It, it's something, you, you know, you want expansive rugby. You want a good game of rugby. And it just, the, the, the Southern Knights have really just dropped off, a, dropped off a cliff. Is it just me or are there a lot more actual Edinburgh and Glasgow players in this sprint series than there was in last year's Super Six? Yeah. It feels like yeah. there's a lot more. Harriet's were packed. Um, with the yeah. Edinburgh players uh, this weekend, Murphy Walker playing for Air this weekend, and and yeah. like he's literally off the back of three or four games in a row for Glasgow, and you this, know Fafita's playing, Tangivi's playing. I think it's this a is lot. yeah, and I think this is what I don't get, and I I wish we knew, you know, what's the difference between the Sprint series and the actual Super Six, because if this is just we're gonna have a, we're gonna stick some of the pro players down and just throw the ball about and get everyone warmed up for the proper tournament. Then then I'm fine with it. But it doesn't really feel like any. It's like I I just don't get the point of it because I don't know if any of these players are then going to go and play in the main tournament. We don't know if you know it's just some. How are the players getting distributed? Because that was always a problem in the Premiership. And you just get you know the, the likes of John Hardy turning out for Hoik. As he returned from injury, hmm. so you know well, it, it, used, is, it, used, it used to be a draft, didn't it? Yeah, it used to be a draft with the with the, the Premiership, and 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 you know certain players would be, and that's why, for example, Duhan van der Merwe has got been pictured with a Harriet's jumper on, um, because he's a uh, you know he was he was his, in his draft, Harriet, you know him and I think Murray McCallum was at Harriet's as well, um, and. That's what worries me because then you've got the players, you, you've got the teams like um, uh, Borough Muir um, and you've got the Southern Knights that haven't, you know, haven't got the sprinkling of the, the, the they've got ex-professional players, mm-hmm. but they haven't got the current professional players coming through. You know? Yeah, and they've got a couple of academy players and good good academy prospects, but yeah. it's not the same as, we haven't got Walter Fafita. Yeah, I mean, Walter yeah. Fafita's got no business being in a Stirling County side. No, and like, and realistically, he is he is still a Samoan international, Tongan international, um, and and Glasgow are not paying him the money that you pay an international, even if they are a tier two international, to spend his time playing for Stirling County. Yeah, like you've got to think when it kicks into the Super Six proper that Glasgow are going to want him back. Well, yeah, because I would suggest it's not fair. Because how much you know? What's I mean? He didn't play. I don't. Think he, I'm just checking the Stirling County thing. I didn't think he was there this weekend, but um, uh, no, he didn't play this weekend. Yeah, the first first one or first two, I think. Yeah. Again, you know what? What for Fita's not going to be on small money. No. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I know Tang if he's away and he's maybe on the naughty step and he's been sent down to Stirling for that, but but that's another international that you're talking about. From yeah. the Glasgow squad and from the from the Glasgow squad proper as well. We're not talking about them rotating in academy boys or anything. That's like starters from our European squad. Yeah. 
There's also been a, another big change of the, changing of the guard as well within the Super Sync sprint, sprint Series, um, and that is that what Sonians have taken over from Stirling County from having the most howfing kit I've ever seen in my entire life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Does it want to be a Watsonians kit or does it want to be covered in sponsors? It's howfing. It looks. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like a rugby league top. I know yeah, it, sounds it, incredibly yeah. stop, it, looks, it sounds incredibly snobby of me, but it looks like a league top. It, it does. does. Yeah, it does. It's even right into the triangle on the front, the white triangle on the front. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I won't hear anything bad said about County's kit this year either because, like I said before it started, their kit is beautiful. Have, they yeah, haven't yeah. sent me any yet, but it is really nice. Well, you yeah. did try your best to rub yourself up against one of the Stirling County players when they were uh, when they were at the House Evans. They came dressed <laughs> in full Super 6 kit. Yep. And, uh, See, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to hang them out for that, but you, you are, so that's fine. Yeah, one of the boys <laughs> in the, one of the boys in Stirling County's uh, squad at the House Evans this weekend had a full set of Super Six stash on. Like, Why? Where you come least, from? The, you come from the game. Either, yeah, either it's one of their Super Six players, in which case disguise yourself a bit better. Or because everyone's flocking, um, all the kids are over going, Dad, Dad, I've seen a Super Six player. <laughs> Where's my autograph? No, no, but if I was playing in one of the other sevens teams, I'd be like, what's he doing here? Yeah, <laughs> it, true. Uh, or it's just someone who really likes their Super 6 team and, and bought a full set of his dash. I don't know. Well, they did, they, they did go home, so uh, they didn't win it. So uh, maybe he wasn't yeah. a Super 6 player. <laughs> yeah. Anything else for the Super 6 for you? I thought like, the refereeing was good again. I always enjoy a bit of Yeah, refereeing, refereeing was great. I, I, what was it? There was that one where. Um, Oh, was it? Uh, oh, God. Was it the Bulls game when uh, uh, the player went over the line to kick the ball through? Yeah. And he's, 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 he's having this. He's saying, it was dab down. It was dab down. He says, I, I, saw it perf- I saw it perfectly well, and it wasn't your. It was dabbed on the line, which means it's out. Away you go. On you um, go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it was very good. There was some good comments from the referees on the mics. Uh, listen to yeah. the there's just absolutely no. It's just straight that there's no BS from any of the Super Six referees. It's just straight on. Like even the yellow card was it the Boromir game with the yellow card, mm. and they're all appealing for a for a red and you're not yellow. Yeah. And they, no discussion, no debate. Just nope, it's yellow. Let's get on with the game. I think he's. I think he's. What was his words? I've made the decision now, anyway. So it was a split second decision. I've made the decision. So it's a yellow. That's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. And then you know, even in the you know, like the uh, Southern Nice game, Rory Campbell, form, formerly of this podcast, doing a wonderful refereeing job. You know, just straight away, players taken in the air. He's landed on his neck. Red card. Yeah. They didn't even didn't even consult with the touch. You know the touch judge, the assistant referee. It's just like ah, it's a red. Yeah, we've seen we've seen like you know similar things in a international match. Have to almost like have a dissertation written by the TMO before anyone's ready to write it. You know, make a decision. Unless you're Ben Whitehouse, who uh, you oh, know, yeah. I don't. I'm not listening to anyone else. So I'm going to tell you all about me and look at me and I'm, I'm fantastic. <laughs> anyway, that's a different story. Before we go, uh, Anna, friend of the podcast, says, uh, "Craig, your impression of Johnny is perfect." so anyway um that's it for the main podcast this week thank you everyone uh, for joining us um if you're a patreon hang about 
Um, we'll be doing our Patreon only section of the podcast in a moment. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny and Craig. Bye, Mama. Uh- <laughs>